Last Sunday was our semi-annual meeting, business meeting. And for those of you who are not members and those of you who signed proxy slips and weren't here for that meeting, I'd like to give just acknowledgement of the Lord's mercy and grace. Business meetings can take a variety of paths. And some of them are about business. Some of them are about the business, the Lord's business. Some of them end up with no business. But we felt like this last Sunday afternoon was the Lord's mercy, his grace was poured out on those who were here. The Japanese congregation, as well as ourselves together. I think it was a pretty much a unanimous sense and feeling that the Lord was here with us. In fact, some of the comments were, this wasn't a business meeting. Some said, well, we have another service going on right after this meeting, but we've already had church. This was enough. And it was a blessing. And God is having mercy on MCC. And when when I say MCC and when we talk MCC, let's not think it's just this congregation here. But we have brothers and sisters and even some who are not Japanese that are attending those services. And right now, that service is meeting, I think, in a very unusual gathering of all three services meeting together right as we speak. And that's why I prayed for them as I did. That is a blessing from God. And we thank the Lord for the sense of we are becoming one church. That was what we had in mind in the very beginning. Well, not we, but we had in the very beginning that we would be one church in this location, meeting at different times in different languages. But God is doing something and we need to keep praying. Let's not give up or say, okay, God's answered, so we don't need to continue to pray. I often find that is how I operate. When there's a crisis, I move to prayer. And when it gets fixed, oh, okay, we can just relax and kick back. No, I think the Lord wants us to to continue fervently because the days are evil. And let's walk accordingly. Okay, that was the introduction, and I've got about 30 more minutes. (laughs) I thought what I was going to do is take kind of a break from Hebrews and do Christmas messages. And so I was asking the Lord, well, okay, what shall we present? Where should our focus be this Christmas? And I felt the Lord was leading No, we're staying in Hebrews. And so I've titled this message, and I think it's uh, four other messages, as Christmas in Hebrews. Christmas in Hebrews. Because these chapters of 5, 6, 7, and part of 8 really speak of the essence of what Christmas is really all about. And, you know, we've said... Hebrews is a deep book. It's a hard book. It is a full book that you could spend years 
in the book of Hebrews and not have really stirred the treasures very deeply, stirred up the, the treasures that are found in that book. And what we're doing is just cursory. We're just hitting the surface. And hopefully a couple of times we dip in a little bit deeper and we strike real gold or diamonds or something just very precious. But the Lord wants us to be digging, digging. And I think that he wants us to relate the season that we're in to what this book is talking about and take that opportunity to change our hearing, change our our seeing, change our understanding of how we can apply these truths to Christmas. These chapters are really very, very focused on things that are hard to understand. And I think you're going to sense that you're going to be convicted, as I have been, that I need to dig deeper, particularly having my understanding changed so that I am in sync with reality. And reality is not what we see around us, but it's in his word as it applies outward, not the other way around. The Lord does not speak to us from the world. He speaks to us by his spirit, through his word, out to the world in our world that we're living in. Let's read Hebrews 5, 1 to 14. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obliged or obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. No one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. And Lord, right now we just ask your blessing on your word and on my mouth, my mind, as we delve into your word. In Jesus' name. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need 
milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, a baby. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We're just going to break this down into three points, verses 1 to 4, what is a priest, 5 to 10, Christ designated by God, and then verses 11 to 14, toward maturity. We have one more week before the traditional season called Advent, or more commonly called the Christmas season. Advent means, of course, appearing or gathering or coming together. It was introduced by the Roman church in the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages early church was much influenced by some poorly calculated events and extra biblical thought. What do I mean by that? Well, we don't really know that this was when Jesus was born on December 25th. It probably wasn't that time of the year. By all the things that that we understand and know about the Middle East and when shepherds were out on the fields and the birthing of lambs and that kind of thing that was going on. Things that didn't fit into a winter scene. You know, we have some beautiful Christmas songs, but most of them really are irrelevant in the context, the real context I'm talking about. You know, you may spray your tree with snowflock spray, fake, you know, everything's fake these days. Fake Christmas. The Middle Ages church gathered a lot of this and turned these pagan practices and celebrations into something that the church could relate to. And I think that they maybe had good motives but I doubt their actual historical foundation or really hadn't listened to the Lord in this, some of these cases. And so Christmas developed out of some very pagan traditions, even the Christmas tree. Even the colors green and red were taken from the traditions of pagan worship so that Christmas then was burdened down with this thought missing the true meaning of Christmas or Christ's coming. I might just add that several years ago, many years ago, Katie and I decided we would not celebrate Christmas as the world celebrates it. And I'm not saying this if you've already got your Christmas tree up or your decorations out of the attic and you're ready to put them up. We're not judging but we're suggesting that this is not the right season. And we need to just think more spiritually. And we'll get to talking about that in this passage. It's a great passage for what this is talking about in terms of Christmas in Hebrews. So we haven't had a Christmas tree for 30 years, 25 years. Because of the kids, we we laid down those things. Well, we sinned a little bit, but anyway, we, <laughs> we, we decided that that wouldn't be our main focus. 
And so those things really aren't important to us. What is really important to us is to understanding who Jesus Christ is as he came. And you know, the last two Christmases that we've been here at MCC, we've talked about the tabernacle and the things that focused our attention on him and that that should be our focus as we go into this season when the world is thinking about things that are somewhat remotely related to Jesus. Verses 1 to 4, what is a priest? It's taken from among men. Taken from among men was, they're, they're using the model of Aaron. You remember who Aaron is from our studies from last year, that he was the priest that was designated to be the priest for Israel. When they came out of Egypt, they had established tabernacle worship. He was the high priest. A priest is one who, as a man, has experienced what it is to be human. He was fallen like all of us. That was the qualification. He was not God. He was not semi-God. He wasn't a holy man in the sense of his own holiness, but he was set apart, which is the meaning of holy, set apart to be the one to bring the annual sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, into the tabernacle. That was his one designation in terms of the Day of Atonement. But the other priests also did some of those tasks. Let me just be very clear right now, because I think it's the Church of England right now, has just made an announcement that women can become priests. In the scripture, a priest is of male gender. Very much so that we need to not condemn, but point to the truth and be always pointing to the truth of what God's word says. And this isn't to put down female ministers or those who teach and those who have, like our sister Makiko, have a gift to be able to share the word of God. That's not a put down at all to any of you as women who want to dig into the word of God and be able to share it with others. We encourage you to. And God will use you to teach others. How many Bible studies throughout Japan are led by women? Praise God. Where are the men? Where are the men who will stand up and say, I want to know the word of God so I can share it with my colleagues, my neighbors, my friends. Bless the women who have stepped forward to teach Bible studies here in Japan. Some of you are involved with Bible Study Fellowship. Did you know that that was started by a woman? (laughs) And that men were begging for her to open it up to men. And the founder, Wetherall Johnson, said, No! This is women's Bible study. And some of us in Seattle, about seven or so of us, our wives were going to Bible study fellowship and coming back with stuff and teaching us. And we said, we want men's Bible study fellowship. And she said, no. She was a strong 
missionary to China and she had a vision and a purpose to teach women the Bible, we were stronger than her. (laughs) She says, okay, I'll let you do it for six weeks. So we had our little Bible study fellowship in Seattle. And it was just a small group. We played by the rules. We didn't cheat. And she said, I'll come and visit you halfway through that six weeks. And she didn't tell us the day that she was going to show up. But she came and she just watched and listened. And she said, okay, you can have six months in a short study. And so we did that, following it right by the book. Within a year, we had over a hundred men in Bible study fellowship. The Bible study that was started by a woman. So I'm just making this point. I'm not against women teaching the Bible, okay? In fact, my wife is a better teacher than I am. That's why I always glance her way. (laughs) But Aaron was taken from among men. And I think that means men. He can deal gently. Why? Because he himself knows that he is a sinner. That he's fallen, just like the rest of us men and women. And he offers sacrifices on behalf of men. And those sacrifices point to the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. That is his position. He's a priest. He's an advocate. He is an in-between person. That's what a priest means. And you know, I'm just jumping just a little bit ahead. We are called a kingdom of priests and kings. And we should be advocating for those who do not know Jesus Christ in this land. That should be our calling. He offers sacrifices. And you know what? He's not called by himself. He's called by God. God has appointed those who cherish his word, treasure it, have studied and are able to be able to communicate God's word. So I'd encourage you, study his word so that you will be able to impart it to others, so that you will be able to stand as an advocate for those that are around you. And when they come to you and ask you a question, you'll be able to be ready to give an answer for the faith that is within you. Verses 5 to 10, Christ was designated by God. Promise from the angel to, in verse 5, it says, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And it's interesting in the passage that we read, and also in Psalm 110, if you were listening carefully, the yous are two different people. And if you have a Bible that has capitalized the true meaning of who they mean by you and who they mean by he, it is a help because it'll tell you that it's either God or it's a a man, a small h or a, a small y. I hope your Bibles, by the way, I recommend the New American Standard Bible. The ESV, which is also a very good translation, does not do that. It lets you have the option to choose whether you think that is God, a big h or a small h, 
or a big Y or a, a small Y. That's your option as a student. But in NASB, it, it is very clear there. And I've checked it out. Sometimes there's a question when you look at that. Well, I think they, whatever committee decided, they decided it was a small Y. Well, Katie and I found a couple of instances where we think it should have been a, a big Y. So just watch those kind of things and learn from them and think deeply. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. God speaking prophetically about Jesus Christ. I have begotten you. In other words, he is the only begotten son. John 3.16, don't forget the begotten. I think I've said that before. Very, very important. God's intention that the second person of the Trinity would be born to a woman. That's what Christmas is about. Coming to the attention of mankind. Unto you a son has been given. That's Jesus Christ. That's Christmas. Verse 6, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, I'm not going to explain it right here because the writer of Hebrews is very interesting the way he lays out his letter. And this is one of the reasons why we think it's not Paul. Paul didn't write like this. But the writer of Hebrews lays out what he's going to say before he says it maybe in outline form or just hints dropped along the way. But then he goes into deeper development of what he means. So at this point, I'm not going to say anything about Melchizedek, but if you want to, you can go back to, I think it's Genesis 19, and find out who Melchizedek was. Maybe some of you already did that in preparation for this message. But his name, I'll give you this little hint, means King of righteousness and that's about all we know about him but it's enough to give us a hint of who he really was and I won't tell you I hope you'll look verse 7 states Jesus would suffer with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death and he was heard because of his piety yes Jesus suffered with loud crying and tears. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, you have to be under incredible stress to sweat blood. And that's what the Bible says happened to Jesus. Incredible stress. Can you imagine taking the sins of the whole world, not just in that age, but all ages, taking our sin on himself. Incredible. Christ was designated by God. Did not glorify himself. He learned obedience. Our last point. This is the hard one. How many of us consider ourselves to be grown up? You know, I'm still a kid at heart. And I'm an old man. I think it's good to be childlike, but not childish. 
but sometimes I don't know the line or the, the difference in that. But my wife does. She knows exactly where the line is to where it's childish. And right now she's raising her eyebrows about me moving on because I promised I would be finished with this message at quarter after. The writer of Hebrews has nothing to lose. He's writing like it is. And that's the kind of guy I like. He tells it like it is. And he's saying, hey guys, you are dull of hearing. God wants us to have our spiritual ears tuned to him. That's what we sang about. Open my ears that I might hear. Not talking about the physical ear. It's talking about the ears of our heart to really be able to hear. What is the Lord telling me in my devotions this morning? What is it you're saying to me, Father? I want to hear. I don't want to be dull of hearing. And he goes a step further. He says, you know, by this time, you should be teachers, but you're just on milk. You're babies. And he came down hard on them. And sometimes the Holy Spirit gets very hard with us in terms of the way he speaks to us. Do you know the Holy Spirit that way? That you do something and immediately there's that voice. Ron, that wasn't right. You should not have said that. You should not think that. You shouldn't be doing that. That we would have that kind of sensitivity. We're not spoiled brats. We're children of the Heavenly Father. That's who we are. And because we have a Father like He is, that's the way we should be. And that's what He wants us to grow up to be. Like Him. How many times in Scripture, particularly in Paul's letters, He wants us to be like Christ. Like Christ. That's the Father's desire for us. That we become like His Son. And having our senses trained. And what's happening right now is the Word of God is speaking to us and saying, Yeah, you need your senses trained. Learn to listen to Him in His Word. Learn to apply that truth. And that still small voice of his speaking to you, follow it, obey it. Understand what he's trying to say in his word to you. You'll become his sons and daughters. Closing, Isaiah 9.6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. I highlighted that because what we're talking about in terms of a priest's obligation, his duty, his calling, his office, is he was carrying the priest, the high priest, was carrying the government of the children of Israel on his shoulders as he went in to the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies. He was carrying that responsibility for this people 
that had just left an oppressive, very efficient Egyptian empire. They were coming under God's rule and government. And the government was on his shoulders. That's what this verse is saying. Jesus is our high priest. In fact, Hebrews says he is the great high priest. Wow. And his name will be called Wonderful. And we sang this morning, we are following Jesus. It's wonderful to be a Christian. And then I've highlighted counselor. What does counselor mean? Well, you go, you're a little bit crazy, and so you lay on a couch, and somebody sits there and listens to you tell all the problems in your heart. No. This actually means you are standing before a court of law. And you are condemned as a sinner. It's your sin that nailed him to the cross. And the counselor, the wonderful counselor, the Bengoshi, the lawyer, the defense lawyer, he says, no, this is my son. This is my daughter. They trust in me. I've paid it all. They're free. That's what that means. The great high priest, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word and stir our hearts to the point where we'll come back and read this and understand it, the understanding that you want us to have. Thank you so much for your word and its power. Amen.